If you've uh, got your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, it is awesome to be worshiping together this morning. Amen. If you uh, were with us last week, uh, we're uh, continuing our uh, lesson, our series on the character of a Christian. And uh, we talked last week about being molded by God uh, and molding our character to the likeness of Christ. Amen. And we, uh, we talked about uh, being molded by God's grace, right, and how we can have confidence because of his grace. We talked about uh, being molded by training and, and teaching from God's word. Uh, and finally, we talked about being molded by suffering. And so I hope you walked away uh, with a few things uh, on your mind, uh, some, some ways that you can mold your character this last week. And it's very exciting we've for our characters to be molded. Uh, if you're a part of the youth and family ministry right after service today, uh, we're going to have a youth and family devotional. Uh, so a good opportunity, uh, hopefully not molded by suffering today, but uh, hope, hopefully being molded by uh, some training and teaching from God's word. So uh, be mindful of that right after service today if you're a part of the youth and family ministry. And uh, today, again, we're going to continue in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, and I'll go ahead and read this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses... Entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not get the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. You know, the one thing I've been thinking about and, and hearing a lot lately uh, is that Christians have a bad reputation in our society, right? Cr Christianity is is becoming less and less uh, popular, or or less uh, looked down upon more and more. But I uh, again, I, I think just the bad reputation that comes from it. Uh, I remember and remind you, there's a big difference between having the character of a Christian and the reputation of a Christian. You know, character is the one thing we make in this world that we take with us into the next. A few things, uh, a little quote here. It says, reputation is what you are supposed to be. Character is what you are. Your reputation is made in a moment, but your character is built in a lifetime. Reputation grows like a mushroom but character grows like an oak. Your reputation is made in an hour, but your character is built over a lifetime. A single newspaper report 
gives you your reputation. But a life of toil gives you your character. Reputation makes you rich or makes you poor, but character is what makes you happy or makes you miserable. Your reputation is what men think of you, but your character is what God knows you to be. Which have you been more focused on lately? Protecting your reputation or allowing your character to be molded? And again, that's what we're going to continue to focus on this morning, allowing our character to be molded into that of a Christian. First point this morning, the character of a Christian is molded by discipline. The character of a Christian is molded by discipline. And we'll pick back up from last week, and starting in verse 5, it says, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. You know, Paul tells Timothy, in order to win the race, you've got to compete according to the rules. Right? There are no shortcuts in Christianity. You cannot win by cutting corners or running half-heartedly. It takes great discipline. Amen? I love looking up on Google. This is what Google says about discipline. It says, discipline is doing what needs to be done even when you don't want to do it. It says, discipline is a muscle everyone needs to work out. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Discipline is rarely enjoyable, but almost always possible. And I like this when it says discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. You know, Paul, this isn't the first time he urges uh, Christians to have discipline in their character. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Verse 24, it says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? It says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Right? You've got to be disciplined if you want to compete. 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And then finally, I I, I love in uh, Titus chapter 2. If you go and and read through Titus 2, you see this common theme uh, of self-control and self-discipline with with all these instructions that Paul's giving to the believers and, and the way that they should carry their lives he speaks to the young men and the older men and the young women and the older women and the common thing he says in each one is to be a great christian you must have self-control paul makes it clear you guys with me this morning you know i want to put a a picture up on the screen um i showed this picture at icmc That's me uh, probably about six years ago, seven years ago, uh, when I uh, first started running competitively. And uh, now I've done like 13 half marathons, uh, one full marathon. 
and uh, I'm looking pretty good there, right? <laughs> but, uh, but one thing I've learned uh, is that races aren't always easy, right? Uh, there's always bound to be some type of hiccup in your race. Uh, I remember uh, one of the, the, I think it was the first half marathon I ran, it was in December, pouring down rain and freezing cold, uh, miserable. I remember uh, running a race during this summer, it's called the Jalapeno Half Marathon. That's because it's hot. Middle of July, running outside, uh, that one was brutal. I've been running uh, on, uh, on training runs up in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, that's much different than running here in Texas, right? Uh, you know, trying to run uphill, the higher elevation, I'm gasping for air. Uh, one race I ran here in, uh, at River Legacy Park, I started out uh, running strong. Uh, I was excited because I was towards the, uh, the, the front of the pack. And uh, set out to run a 5K, which is about 6.2 miles. Ended up on the half marathon route, which is 13.1 miles. And uh, so I completely uh, overran my race and uh, ended up on the wrong track. What's the point? You know, in your walk with God, uh, sometimes it's going to feel like you're climbing mountains. Right In your walk with God, sometimes you're going to face some extreme weather. You may even feel like you're running the wrong way. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters, sometimes the race God has marked out for us isn't the race we want to run. Right? It says, run the race marked out for you. Not the race you want to run, but the race, the, the, the path that's laid out before you. You know, Paul said you only get a crown by competing according to the rules. And, you know, you may feel like the rules you're competing by aren't very easy. Right? You may feel like the race marked out for you uh, is just a little too difficult. Will you stay the course? Will you have the discipline to stay on that path? Or are you going to try and take a detour? Again, our temptation is to uh, try and run by our own way or run by our own rules instead of competing by the rules God has laid out for us. And, and even our temptation is to give up when times are difficult, right? When, when the race gets a little too hard, we're tempted to throw in the towel. Brothers and sisters, the character of a Christian will only be molded by running the race God has marked out for you. You guys with me this morning? God has a race for you. And it takes great discipline to run that race. But, you know, when, when you come to the end of the race, the most common question is, what was your time? Right? How did you do? Uh, I've run lots of races, and, and it's awesome to come to the end when you got a good time, right? You can throw the time out there like, hey, I did well. 
uh, I, I, I'm, I'm impressed and I want others to be impressed by me. But you know, it's tough when you come to the end and you didn't do so well. Right? And you can go home, go online, look at the race website, and they've got all the times listed. Right? So you can go on and see how you compare to other people in your age group, um, see, uh, see how you did overall. Uh, but if you go online and you're looking at those times, and you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page, those times turn into letters. And the letters are D-N-F. Right? You, you go all the way down to the bottom, you start seeing D-N-F. DNF, DNF. Well, what does DNF stand for? Did not finish. Did not finish. You know, the thing is, uh, anyone can go online and sign up for a race. Right? Anybody can start a race, but not everybody can finish. Do you have the discipline to make it to the end, or will you be DNF? I love this quote by Vince Lombardi. He says, The good Lord gave you a body that can stand most anything. It's your mind you have to convince. You know, on, on long distance runs, uh, especially in, in the marathon, uh, they have what's called hitting the wall, right? Hitting the wall, that, that point where you feel like you can't go any further. The point where you feel like I've had enough, I cannot take one more step. Uh, in the marathon I ran, uh, it was right around mile 20. Uh, I, I just got this feeling like I have to stop. But it's your mind you have to convince. You've you got to con convince your mind that you can keep going, that, that you've got to remove all doubt. You know, maybe you've hit that point in your walk with God. Maybe you've, you've hit that wall in your walk with God that, that you just, you, you feel like you can't go on anymore. That's the point God's trying to mold your character to be disciplined. Discipline is crucial if we want to make it to the end. A again, there's going to be lots of bumps, uh, you know, lots of, uh, of trials along the way. But if you're disciplined, you won't get off track. Brothers and sisters, don't be a DNF. Persevere and allow your character to be molded by discipline. Second point this morning, the character of a Christian is molded by hard work. Verse 6, it says, The hardworking farmer should be the first to, sh uh, to receive a share of the crops. You know, this is the, uh, the final analogy Paul gives in this passage of the hardworking farmer. And the expectation uh, Paul lays out in this passage is remarkable. Because we talked about last week uh, how uh, we need to join in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then now he says to be hardworking. Right? So not only are you called to suffer, but while you're suffering, you got to keep working hard. Right? That is not an easy thing to do. 
the, the call here is difficult. You know, I like this quote. It says, there are three kinds of workers. It says, for example, when a piano is being moved, the first kind gets behind and pushes. The second pulls and guides, and the third grabs the stool. Which type of worker are you? You know, in, in your walk with God, you know, maybe you're the supervisor that's just kind of over. I don't know. You know, in your walk with God, how hard are you working for righteousness? In your walk with God, how hard are you working to be a light with your life? Molding your character as a Christian is equal to the work you're willing to invest. You know, Paul himself uh, says the example, verse 35, it says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. 1 Corinthians 15, again, Paul says, No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not the grace, uh, uh, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And then in Colossians 3, he writes, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Brothers and sisters, what are you working for? Right now in your life, what is it you're working for? Are, are, are you working for a promotion? Right? Are, are you working hard? Uh, you know, to, to make all A's? Uh, are you working hard for success? Are you working hard to get that new car? What is it you're working for? Or are you working hard to connect with God? Right? Are you working hard for the spiritual harvest that's at hand? Are you working hard to share your faith and, and make disciples? Are you working hard to serve people in your life? I love this story. It says, the Sahel is a vast stretch of savanna, more than 4,000 miles wide, just under the Sahara Desert. It says, the Sahel, uh, in the Sahel, all the moisture comes in a four-month period, May through August. It says, after that, not a drop of rain falls for eight months. The ground cracks from dryness, and so do your hands and feet. The year's food must all be grown in those four months. In October and November, these are beautiful months. The granaries are full because the harvest has come. People sing and dance, and they eat two meals a day. December comes. And the granaries start to recede. Many families omit the morning meal. Certainly by January, not one family in 50 is still eating two meals a day. By February, the evening meal diminishes as well. The meal shrinks, shrinks even more during March, and children succumb to sickness. You don't stay well on half a meal a day. April is the month that will haunt your memory. You can hear babies crying in the twilight. 
And then inevitably it happens. A young boy comes running to his father one day with sudden excitement. Daddy, daddy, we've got grain, he shouts. Son, you know we haven't had any grain for weeks now. Yes, we have, the boy insists. Out in the hut, there's a leather sack hanging up on the wall. I reach my hand up, put it down in there. Daddy, there's grain in there. Give it to mommy so she can make flour, and tonight our tummies can sleep. The father stands motionless. Son, we can't do that, he softly explains. That's next year's seed grain. That's the only thing that stands between us and starvation. We're waiting for the rains, and then we must use it. Finally, in May, the rains arrive. And when they do, the young boy watches as his father takes the the sack from the wall and does the most unreasonable thing imaginable. Instead of feeding his desperately hungry family, he goes out to the field, and with tears streaming down his face, he takes the precious seed and throws it away. He scatters it in the dirt. Why? Because he believes in the harvest. Here's the question, brothers and sisters. Do you still believe in the harvest? Do you believe that God will bring the fruit? You know, it takes great faith to continue to plant when you don't see a crop. And our character is molded when we decide to work hard even though there's no harvest in sight. You know, often our temptation or our tendency is to try to work smarter instead of harder. You guys with me? Sometimes in our own wisdom, we think, hey, I just need to work a little smarter instead of working harder. And I think our tendency is to protect our time, protect our energy instead of expending ourselves. And and so in the name of working smarter, we we put our trust in the right techniques, right? The the right uh, uh, evangelistic uh, techniques instead of putting our trust in God. And I think when we do this, obviously, we become wise in our own eyes instead of relying on God for the growth. It doesn't say the smart farmer, right? It says the hard-working farmer. You guys with me? Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The character of a Christian is molded by hard work. This is what God's word says about the harvest. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. It says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. The one who plants... And the one who waters have one purpose, 
And the good news is it says, hey, they will each be rewarded according to what? It says according to their labor. Uh, according to the work that they put in. Let me ask you this. Do you trust God's word? Do you believe God will make things grow? Right? Do you have that faith that, that the Lord uh, is going to do the work? Right? Do you have the faith that the Lord is going to bring the harvest? I think when you do, you're willing to work without ceasing. Right? You will plant and water all day long when you have the faith that God brings the growth. Third point this morning. The character of a Christian is molded by meditation. Character of a Christian is molded by meditation. In the very last verse here, Paul says, reflect, reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. You know, Paul urged Timothy, hey, think about the things I'm saying. Think about the words I'm putting before you. Don't just take my words at face value, but really contemplate what's being said. Paul said that a reflection would allow God to reveal the truth to him. Right? When you reflect on these things, I'm going to give you insight. The, uh, The idea of meditation is nothing new. I love in the Psalms, Psalm 119 It says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Psalm 63, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. And finally, Psalm chapter 1 says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and, is, and whose leaf does not wither. It says, whatever they do prospers. Right? Being molded by meditation. Meditating on God's word, allowing it to to fill our minds and fill our hearts. You know why meditation is so hard? Uh, It takes time. Right? It takes time. Meditation is difficult because, hey, you got to take time to do it. We live in an instant world, right? From from drive-thrus to microwaves. Uh, from Instagram uh, to, to Amazon Prime, right? We live in the instant world. Our culture is built around uh, convenience, right? It, it's built around the immediate mindset. And I think technology has created a, uh, a hurry up, uh, you're, you're wasting my time type of culture. And, and it even carries over uh, into the way we diet right? Hey, I want immediate results. If I'm going to go on a diet, I want to see the results right away. Uh, It'd be nice if I could work out in the morning, 
uh, eat a salad for lunch, and have a six-pack by dinner, right? That's what I need. Give me that diet. But you know, in the same way, you can't read a scripture and expect that verse to automatically manifest itself in your life. It takes time. It takes meditation. And the more I read God's word, the harder I want to work. Right? The more I read about Jesus' life, the, the more I want to be disciplined by the, uh, in the way he lived. And I think as I meditate on his suffering, I'm more willing to suffer in his name. As we meditate on God's word, again, our character is molded into the likeness of Christ. You know, not only by meditating on God's word are we molded, but I think we've also got to meditate on the finish line. Right? Ultimately, what is the point? What's the point of molding our character? What's the point of being disciplined and being a hard worker and being willing to suffer? It's because there's a reward in store. Right? The athlete receives the victor's crown. The hardworking farmer is going to receive a crop. That's why I want to work hard. That's why I'm willing to, to, to push myself because my eyes are on the prize. Right? The finish line is coming. Again, I, I, I mentioned I've run one full marathon, about uh, 13 half marathons. And, and when running long distances, the finish line is what you long for, right? Uh, if I can just find that finish line, I can push to the end, right? In our walk with God, we've got to keep our eyes on the finish line. And, and it's amazing, right? It's an amazing feeling when you cross that finish line. And, and, and it's cool when you're coming down, people are lining the, uh, the route there. Everyone's clapping and cheering. There's like music blaring. Uh, it's awesome. You, you cross the finish line. Uh, they've got like food and, and Gatorade and all sorts of things for you to, to, to consume. Get your energy back. But, uh, but the best part is that right there, right? That's the best part. Getting that medal draped around your neck that says, hey, you've made it, right? All the discipline all the hard work, all the suffering have been worth it. When you get that prize, when you cross the finish line. You know, as amazing as that is, right, it's nothing compared to heaven. It's nothing compared to what heaven's going to be like, right? No more pain, nor mo no more sorrow, uh, no more sickness, but, but being reunited with friends and family, uh, you know, full of laughter, full of joy, it's going to be amazing. I love these verses in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. It says, not only me, but also all who have longed for his appearing. 
Hebrews chapter 12, it says, endure hardship and discipline. God is treating you as children. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. This is one of my favorite ones in James chapter 1, verse 12. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that God has. Matthew chapter 25, you get to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Wow. Yeah, I urge you, meditate on the finish line. Meditate on crossing that line into eternity. Eternity with God, the reward of eternal life. Think about that crown God has in store for you. You know, brothers and sisters, this ball of clay may not look like much. Right? Not, uh, not too exciting to look at. But when molded correctly, it, it can become a masterpiece. Right? When, when molded correctly, when, when the right pressure is applied, it can become a masterpiece. It becomes useful and valuable beyond compare. You know, we've been given the image we're called to measure up to, right? We've been given the, the image we're, we're going to be molded into, the image of Christ. The image of Jesus and his blood being shed for our sins. This is our Savior, right? The Alpha and the Omega, the Son of God, the Almighty. You know, the amazing thing about Jesus is that no matter what they did to him, his character remained strong. Although they beat him, his focus did not waver. They whipped him, yet his character did not break. Although they spat on him, his will never faded. They crucified him, Yet his character, they could not shake. As we pray for communion this morning, I'm going to read a few verses from Psalm chapter 18 as we reflect on the cross of Christ for communion. Bow with me.